0: welcome to the Battling Pickle podcast. This is a space where I, Dr. John Westfall, put together little mini lectures and podcasts for my students. Battling Pickle is an homage to the institution that I teach at, which is Delta State University. One of our mascots is the fighting okra. I'm not as ferocious as an okra, but I do like pickles. Nobody tries to cheat reinforcement, but man, do they like to cheat punishment. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about why, if you have the choice, using reinforcement is always superior to using any form of punishment. This might be pretty controversial if you are talking with certain groups, especially advocates of the so-called... Spare the rod, spoil the child. I guess the anti-group of that. Is there an anti-group to that? The spoil the rod, spare the child? Who knows? Might be controversial, but I'd like to lay out four to five reasons why, if you can, you want to reinforce rather than punish. Let's get started. This topic is one that I cover in a number of different psychology classes, and it's applicable this summer as I'm teaching EPY-601, which is our psychology of learning course for graduate students, but I teach this same Uh, thing in pretty much every psychology course that covers operant conditioning. And the reason I do that is because we often talk about in operant conditioning the idea that you can get to the same place from multiple directions. If you want a behavior, you can either reinforce the behavior so that it happens over and over again, or you can punish the behavior so that it stops happening. Reinforcement and punishment are all in the same grouping of consequences that happen to someone or something after a behavior. And with reinforcers, it's going to make the behavior more likely. With punishers, it's going to make it less likely. Fun fact, this is also a very easy to confuse wording. You will not believe how many students have told me that yelling at a child is positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement, or some form of reinforcement. No, it's always a form of punishment. It's just that negative reinforcement, for some reason, people think of that term as being punishment. True negative reinforcement is taking away something, that's the negative part, that will cause the behavior to happen again. So if the child does something you like, and you tell them you don't have to do your chores tonight, that is actually negative reinforcement. So if you are taking a psychology class, my class or any other, and you look at the terms positive and negative, always think of them as add or subtract. Positive is adding something, negative is subtracting it away. So let's talk a little bit about punishment. There's trouble with punishment, and that is nobody likes it. Now that's, I know, revolutionary. You never thought of that before on your own. That's why you listen to podcasts like this, but... It's important to think about that. Nobody likes punishment, so people will try to avoid punishment or reconstruct punishment in their mind away from things. There are all these things that we do in life that are ostensibly punishment. I mean, you know, you, you do things where you have to pay taxes, and sometimes people can retcon that in their head and say, well, I'm supporting institutions that I like, and so I guess I'm not too annoyed about having to pay taxes, even though paying taxes objectively is annoying because you're losing your money. So we always have these ways of changing how we think about things or avoiding things altogether. The best examples that I can give you, and I'll give you these throughout my talk today, uh, throughout the podcast, are things from everyday life. So let's start with the six reasons, and this is already a bonus reason because I said four or five things in the introduction, but actually there's six. You're welcome. You don't have to pay for this. It's all free of charge. The six reasons why punishment is troubling and reinforcement is not. The first is that people can cheat punishment. Imagine that you're driving on a road and you know there are no police on that road. There never have been police on that road. In fact, maybe that road is out in the middle of nowhere. There will never be police on that road. Why would you ever follow the speeding limit? Because you know there's no way you're going to get caught. Cheating is when you pick up a discriminating stimuli in the world that can tell you that, oh, I'm not going to get punished if I break the rules this time. Children do this all the time. They know that if they act up in a certain time when mom doesn't have the time to discipline them, they might not get disciplined until later and maybe not at all. Adults do this all the time. If I can speed and no one's going to catch me, I I take that risk if I am, you know, somewhere and there's a very minor thing that I can do that's against the rules, you know, look at the latest uh, things uh, this last year with mask mandates where people know, OK, I'm not going to get really yelled at if I forget my mask this time. So not a big deal. That is one of the biggest problems with punishment. People will cheat if they think they can get away with it and not be punished. Conversely, nobody ever tries to cheat reinforcement. You know, if you're told, hey, if you do this, you'll get a piece of candy, and then you don't get the piece of candy, you go looking for the piece of candy sometimes. You know, maybe you do try to do this if you're losing weight or something like that. You decide, okay, I, I hope they don't actually remember to give me the piece of candy. But that is the oddball thing. With reinforcers, you want to get whatever the consequence is because it's a good thing. That's why it's a reinforcer. Punishment. Bad, try to avoid it. Second problem with punishment is something we call concurrent reinforcement. Let's go to the child who is acting up in the grocery store or in the classroom. Doesn't really matter. Child's acting up. What are they looking for? Why are they acting up? Well, in many cases, they're looking for either the parent or teacher to do something for them or just to pay attention to them. And if the parent or teacher then yells at them or scolds them or disciplines them or does whatever, they have not only punished them, but they've also reinforced the behavior because the desired outcome was attention. I want attention. You gave me attention. That in of itself is reinforcing at the same time that it's supposed to be punishing. So this is messy, It's hard to make sure that your punishments don't have any level of concurrent reinforcement. The educational psych textbook that we're using actually talks about this in one of the early chapters, the idea that if you were to send the child to the principal's office, is that doing what you're intending to do, or should you discipline them in the room? And the argument is, well, if the child's looking for attention, sending them to the principal's office and getting them out of the room is actually going to be better than disciplining them in the room because they don't get the audience anymore of the other students that they can be reinforced by. So concurrent reinforcement is another issue with punishment. This doesn't happen with reinforcement because there is really no such thing as concurrent punishment I guess the closest I've ever come up with this is if you do really well at your job and you get a promotion and you get more work. Hopefully, you got more pay at the same time, but you've just got more work. I guess that is concurrently punishing. I mean, you, you have to do more work. Um, so that is a punisher sometimes. Unless you really like your work, then it's reinforcement. So, again, it's very hard to have concurrent punishment, but it's very easy to have concurrent reinforcement. The third problem with punishment is that in order for it to send the message to the organism, it has to be fairly severe. It has to be something that gets the attention of the organism and is important enough that they change their behavior because of it. So imagine going back to the speeding example that speeding tickets were only a dollar or five dollars. You would speed all the time. I have a friend who lived in Dubai for a year and a half. He said that there were stretches of road where every two kilometers there was a speed camera. And if you blew through that speed camera, it was a $900 fine. And yet people would go barreling down that highway in very expensive sports cars because $900 every two kilometers was just the price of getting to work. They they bought that million-dollar vehicle. They're going to use it. $100,000 vehicles, but you get what I'm saying. If it's not severe enough, nobody is going to pay attention. And now think about the way we use punishment with children in the classroom or in the home. We tend to start off with pretty minor punishments. You know, no one haul, if, if people are, for example, a proponent of corporal punishment or spanking, they don't haul off and hit their kid 50 times with a cane the first time they do something bad. I mean, that is child abuse, so you should never do that. But you're not going to decide the very first time, this is when I have to really, really hammer it home. Yet, if you don't do that, you build up tolerance so that the child goes, okay, well, you know, the last time I got two spankings, and eh, no big deal. She does three spankings this time. Whatever, no biggie. So you're not really punishing at that point. You're just sort of building a tolerance, that the child will go, well, no big deal. So those are our big three problems with punishment. Cheating, concurrent reinforcement, and needs, you know, it has to be a severe punishment. And then there are some lesser problems that are still worth noting. The first is that it sends mixed signals through observational learning. Specifically with corporal punishment, this is problematic. You know, you're sending the signal, if someone is bad, hit them. Well, um, that is observational learning for the child. Uh, maybe not even the child that's being disciplined. If another child sees that, they might take that and go, oh, that's what you do. If, uh, if someone's bad, you hit them. It also sends mixed signals that could be generalized. If someone's mean to me, hit them. So now it's not necessarily the behavior. It is the um, generalizing of the intention. Now, with both of those mixed signals through observational learning and, and generalizing, you wouldn't care if they were reinforcers. Oh, if someone is nice, you should compliment them. Of course, that seems like pro-social behavior. We, we like that. Or if someone is nice to me or gives me something, I should give them something in return. Of course. Or, you know, someone says, you did a good job today and I smile and I give them, you know, a piece of the candy I'm eating or something like that. That's that's just behavior that would be pro-social. You don't care about that with reinforcement, but it causes problems with punishment. And really, the sixth thing that is the trouble with punishment, so if you're keeping count, the first one was cheating. If you know you're not going to get a speeding ticket, you don't care about speeding. The second one was concurrent reinforcement, might actually be giving someone something they want when you're trying to punish them. The third one is it needs to be severe. The fourth one and fifth one were mixed signals, either through observational learning or generalizing the behavior. And the sixth problem with punishment is simply that reinforcement doesn't have any of those problems. So, if you're going to use reinforcement instead of punishment, how do you do that? How does that look? Well, let's talk about that for a few minutes. So, how do I use reinforcement instead of punishment? Well, obviously... Uh, With reinforcing a behavior, it seems very easy to use reinforcement with punishment. But what about situations where you think punishment is the only option? The first thing that I think is important to remember is that any animal, human or, you know, any animal that you're training, needs to be able to see a connection between their behavior and the consequence. So you need to make sure things are tight in terms of the time. Punishment is always best done immediately, but also is reinforcement. So if a child is doing something that you find to be good and you want to reinforce, don't wait to do that reinforcement later. I'm thinking about uh, in classrooms that use some sort of token economy. So maybe children can earn tickets or earn little stars or earn something like that. You don't want to tell a child, oh, you did very well. I'll give you a star at the end of the day or I'll give you a ticket at the end of the lesson. If you can, you know, we use these ways in a classroom of, of doing least intervention. So, you know, the child that's talking, you walk toward them, you make eye contact with them. Maybe you reach down and put your hand on their desk or something like that to cue them that, okay, you need to change your behavior. Well, we can do that with reinforcement too. You know, you can have a uh, number of tickets in your hand as you're walking around the classroom and when you see a pro-social behavior, so a child being very attentive, a child sitting there and doing their work, a child helping another child unsolicited in a way that doesn't disrupt the classroom, so picking up something that they dropped and giving it to them. You can reinforce that immediately with the, the ticket or the token or the star that you put on the board. And that's a, a very powerful reinforcer. And it's very powerful to explicitly talk about that from time to time, to make it clear to the children that you're doing that. It's not just a random event that when they were not misbehaving, good things happened. You weren't just being nice at that moment. You were reacting to how they were behaving. That is one of the keys. The second key is really thinking about how you can reinforce by taking away um, not just bad things, you know, taking away chores is the one we always use for positive or for negative reinforcement, but just making life less structured occasionally. Structure is a great thing in the classroom, but everyone likes when occasionally, instead of having to do the five-minute activity before you go home, you just get to sit around and talk with your friends for a few moments. Or everyone likes when there's a disruption to the the structure just because it's new and unique and novel. And sometimes that can be your way of reinforcing a behavior. You can even make it a contingent behavior and say, you know, if the whole class does this, then I will take this away later. And that way, you're not doing the reverse of that, which is always problematic and controversial where, you know, you punish a whole class for something that one or two students did. But it's fine to reward a whole class for something they all did. Honestly... Punishment seems most attractive to us because it seems like the world is balancing itself out. You know, if you did something bad, something bad happens to you. The problem is the world doesn't actually work that way. This is actually something called the myth of the just world. Uh, or the Just World Hypothesis, the idea that good people get good things and bad people get bad things and no one, no good person has ever gotten something bad. They've always deserved it in some way and no bad person ever got something good. They must have been better than you thought. This is complete nonsense. Everyone who has lived in the real world for more than five minutes knows it's complete nonsense. But yet we still sometimes fall into this thinking. And that's why it's so tempting when a child is misbehaving to not go with the least, the um, least you know, impactful intervention, the walk over this and that. It's so tempting to just say something or get the child out of the room, but honestly, if you can flip the thinking around and think of yourself as facilitating the good versus stopping the bad, the there's only so much time in the day, right? I mean, the, the good will eventually have more time in play than the bad. So hopefully from this podcast, you've gotten some ideas about what the problems are with punishment and why reinforcement doesn't have those. And perhaps some suggestions for how to use reinforcement in ways you hadn't thought about. You know, more than just the, here's a piece of candy, you did something good, or here's a good grade. No, we can be doing things like everyone in the room gets something when the whole room is behaving well. Or we can do something like an immediate reinforcement when there's no visible behavior other than just what we want the child to do. Because... If you're reinforcing when you see the child doing what you want, that also means you're not reinforcing when they're not doing something you want, and that becomes the teaching moment of consequences in a negative light. So hopefully you've gotten some ideas. I'd love to hear your feedback. Remember that on this podcast, you can always send me a voicemail uh, message that I can use in future podcasts. You just have to go to anchor.fm slash battlingpickle, and you can send a message there. I'm happy to talk about your thoughts in future podcasts. I'd love to make this a very interactive forum, and hopefully you've got some food for thought. This has been an episode of the Battling Pickle podcast. As I mentioned at the top, my name is Dr. John Westfall. I'm an associate professor of psychology at Delta State University. And this podcast feed, wherever you found this episode, is the feed that I use for all of my classes in psychology, first year seminar, etc. And so if you enjoy this content, you can hear a wide variety of things. If you'd like to interact with the podcast, uh, we are hosted through anchor.fm. So you can just go to anchor.fm slash battling pickle slash message and send me a voice message and i'd love to include that and uh, hear from listeners whether you're in my class or not have an awesome day and i am glad that you spent some time with me